Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I would love for you to help us spread the word by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts so that other innovators like you can find us. And my new book is out, Set It on Fire, The Art of Innovation. So head over to setitonfire.co to learn more. Well, today our guest is Ashley Bourne, and Ashley has spent over 10 years working in education from everything from traditional high schools to charter schools and She started out at a pretty tough school in North Carolina, and she learned the importance of being bathed in the fire. We will learn more about what that means later, but also resiliency, right? Bringing that resiliency to your career and your personal goals. In education leadership, she focuses mainly on science and social studies curriculum, but she's a coordinator for one of the largest charter schools in Georgia, serving over 9,000 students. And in the field of education, she has served as teacher, instructional coach, and then moved into her current position this year. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. I am so glad to be here, and I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Well, me too. And people may not know this, but they might have noticed we have the same last name. So you want to, you know, obviously we're not separated at birth, but we did marry uh, two people that are. (laughs) Well, and I am so glad that my husband's brother married up when he met you. So (laughs) Natalie and I are (laughs) sister-in-laws. Yeah. The outlaws (laughs) in-laws. And we are very fortunate to have each other, I think. And when she started this podcast and took off in the direction of leadership, I really wanted in because what she's doing is phenomenal across all different kinds of categories. So I'm excited to be here representing education today. Wow. Well, you know what? I didn't pay you to say that, but maybe I will send you 20 bucks later because that was awesome. <laughs> Let's meet Christmas, Natalie. <laughs> well, here's what I want to ask you because this is such a cool, you know, just topic to have on the podcast. And a lot of times we don't necessarily think about the tie between education and innovation. And so we'll kind of dig into that a little bit. But I want to start by just talking to you about like, what are some of the challenges that you face Um, being in leadership within the education sector, just within your role that we may not even think of, right, as part of what you do day to day? Well, I think we assume that leadership is connected closely with power. And in education, I think the overarching idea of power is a failure of leadership as opposed to a excellence in leadership. So I'd say one of the most challenging parts of leadership in, in education is not the ability to sit there and tell the peers that you work with what they should do and what they have to do or what they need to do. You're trying to motivate. So you're having to create a culture almost where you lead by example rather than telling and you show by doing. And that's what makes teachers more motivated. And that's what makes their students more motivated as well. So it's a trickle down effect of excellence in leadership. And anyone who's worked in education who has not had a good leader, you know it. Say that people quit bosses, not positions. And in education, that is very much so how it goes. So we want to make sure, and I want to make sure that I am always leading by example, leading by the front, not asking anyone to do something that I wouldn't do or have seen personally being successful in education. Yeah. And that's, you know, as I think about like leadership styles, a lot of times people take on the leadership style that they're 
they grew up underneath. And a lot of people grew up underneath this command and control type of leader, which was like, I tell you what to do, you do it, and you don't tell me any different, right? And so bringing a different leadership style to the table, I think is very refreshing for people when it's like, no, I'm going to come alongside of you. I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm going to do it with you. And that just unlocks so much for people, especially when they've come from that background of just do it because I said it, which ultimately people resent that and they don't want to stay under a leader that has that type of mantra in place. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how you've used innovation. I think this is such an interesting topic for me, just thinking about the education system, especially the American education system, right? Like I just had the opportunity to watch something where Chinese students have this band they wear on their head and they're using AI to like figure out whether or not they're engaged or not with the class. It turns white when they kind of check out. And I'm like, wow, you know, are we in the American society maybe a little behind on innovation when you think about stuff like that that's going on? Like, talk to me a little bit about, you know, just innovation and how you affect change within your field. Because obviously, just different countries are in different places, right? <laughs> Absolutely, they are. And I'm telling you, I don't think I need a band to tell me when my students are not engaged when I was a teacher. It was fairly obvious. <laughs> but... I like the color coding. So one way that I've used innovation to create effective change, first of all, using innovation in education is a must because our product, our clients are never the same from year to year, our students. Wow. And they change every single year. What worked for one student doesn't work for another. What worked for a group of students didn't work for another group. What worked for years of students when you and I were in school does not work today. So if we don't innovate what we are doing in the classroom, if we're not engaging, if we're not becoming more interactive with our kids and meeting them where they are, then we've lost them. If we were in China, the band would be white. <laughs> so we have to use innovation in this field of education every day. And a problem with education is lack of innovation mm -hmm. because there are some people that, you know, swear by the, this is the way I did it last year. I don't want to do it differently. And my job as curriculum coordinator is to take what the state of Georgia tells me we need to teach in the classroom. I look at it and I try to inspire my teachers to innovate with a way that works for them. Effective change. I can go in a classroom and I could tell a teacher, hey, this is boring. You should change something. Here's what I would do. But when you tell somebody this is what I would do, you're coming at it from really an incorrect angle point. You need to come at it where you're trying to motivate them to create what works for them, what lights their fire, what starts them up, and what makes them want to create a more innovating and exciting lesson for the students. So it's the job of motivation. Yeah, you know, that's so powerful. And it's also so difficult. I mean, you're talking about really leading through influence. And I feel like that's always a big challenge when we're trying to help people, you know, figure out what motivates each person. Each person's so different in how they're wired. And then not only that, they have to take that to the students and figure out how they're wired. And I love what you said about what worked last year may not work this year. Like to me, that is the basis of innovation, right? Is the fact that Things are always evolving. Things are always changing. And if we just stay where we're at, we become obsolete. I think that's true in business. It's true in education. And it doesn't help people move forward when we're constantly just 
resting on our laurels, right? Like what we did five years ago and trying to apply that today. Absolutely. And piggybacking off of that comment, you know, it's really clear in business as well. There's always going to be people that say, well, this is the way it's always been done. And this is the way it's easier. This works for me. I'm more familiar with it. And we could potentially be tossing aside a lot of effective change that could be taking place, a lot of efficiency even. In education, I work for the largest charter school in the state of Georgia. And how we are the largest is because we are virtual. Because everything that we do in brick and mortar schools now has to be changed and innovated to work for in a digital classroom. And our numbers during COVID skyrocketed. So we went from a fairly, fairly small charter school to the biggest one. So we have to innovate quickly. We have to step up our game. We have to incorporate new resources. We have to look for a more efficient and effective way of doing this. And one person can't do the whole job. It takes a team. So that is a very important key part, especially in the school that I'm at. Yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine just overnight trying to solve that problem. I know for sure a lot of businesses were trying to solve that problem overnight, especially if you were in the online space. And so just the impact, the innovation, right, that COVID created, obviously it created a lot of havoc, a lot of challenges for a lot of people, but it also created opportunity. Like if people were looking for it, the opportunity was there and they were able to leverage that opportunity in their business. For those that couldn't figure out how to leverage it, they don't have those businesses today. And so just hearing the fact that your particular charter school was able to take that understanding of what was going on and to be able to catapult it to the largest, that's actually a really big deal because so many, we saw so many types of businesses go out of business during that time. Uh-huh. You're absolutely right. What would you say were some of the principles, maybe knowingly or unknowingly, that you guys grabbed onto in order to just say, okay, we're, we're <laughs> surging now. What are some things that mattered to us to make sure that we're scaling this, right, but also being effective and, and continuing to innovate? Well, for our students and our employees, you know, we are one of the largest employers in College Park, Georgia, because we are across the state. So we had to build in support systems. We had to figure out new positions that would help benefit our students where they are being supported numerous times. And in a virtual setting, you get the kind of students that need different types of support. You need to get those that are culturally aware. We have to provide training for our teachers to make sure that they can better accommodate students who aren't coming from the same region, aren't coming from the same area. We don't even have the same weather from day to day. So we have to build in as many supports as possible. And it really takes in the leadership realm of it all, it's a juggling act as all leadership positions are, but you really need to keep a thumb on the most important part. And that is if our students are being served. And I may not be a teacher, but I am someone who supports a teacher. And there should only be two types of people in education, and that is teachers and those that support teachers. And I am firmly one that supports teachers. I love that. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, how does innovation tie into the differentiation, like in the education community? Like, I know that we talked a little bit about this earlier, but I'd love to just go in depth because I think what I'm hearing with you talking about differentiation is, is this applies to all of us, like in education or not in education There are some things that you guys had to figure out. There are some things, some processes, systems that you had to scale, right? There are things that you had to do and think about differently because of kind of the overnight boom. And so I would love for us just to be able to apply some of the things in education, even to our own lives and how we think about 
the importance of differentiation? Well, in differentiation with our students, we focus on differentiation in, you know, key areas, which is content, product, process, and environment. And I feel that somewhere along the way, when we start to, you know, move through leadership positions and we have people that we are supervising and leading as that leader, sometimes we forget that we need to still include differentiation for them. What is an effective way to give them the free reign to be able to create something that could be excellent and still have it satisfy the need, whatever that need may be? So in differentiation within a classroom, we can use, you know, we can use different programs. We can do video and audio, and we try to always focus on never creating a sit and get situation. However, in leadership with adults, we very much so still rely on that same method, and we don't differentiate our content or our process or even our environment for the people that need it the most, the people who are leading others as a trickle-down effect. So I would say differentiation we really need to continue to innovate as we are handing down initiatives and as we are, even if we don't agree with them or even if we do, how can we allow the freedom to differentiate what comes from that and have an open mind? I that love that. That's the thought process that I have is not the thought process that everyone will have and still appreciating that, hearing it out, and then being willing to adjust and take different pieces of yeah. a team and making it something great. That's so good. You know, and I feel like this is where a lot of people struggle because you're right. <laughs> when you said like the adult environment hasn't changed in terms of how we deliver information. Frequently when I go speak somewhere, what they'll tell me is you have 45 minutes and the last 15 is Q&A. And I'm like, oh, no, no. These people are getting put to work. Like they're part of this talk. Like I'm not going to just be a talking head for 45 minutes. There's going to be interaction. There's going to be questions they have to ask each other. I might have them get up and do an activity together. Like, you know, I think that we are so accustomed to this one size fits all way of learning, of teaching. And I think we have to evolve. I think we have to become more tactile in our ability to help people apply the information because people learn in so many different ways. And I, I think you're right. You know, we do potentially do all this different stuff when it's kids, but then when it comes to adults, we're not applying the same methodology to adults in the way that they learn. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're missing some opportunities. We failed to do that because we could be missing something great. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I just love that you said that because I've, I've never really thought, I mean, I, I think I think about it as a facilitator, but, you know, I can sit in a meeting for eight hours straight. Like I just, I came from a, a three-day offsite and eight hours straight, right, of like staring at a screen and you just, it's rough. And so how can we build in conversation? How can we build in movement into people moving around the room and, and in different ways that we can help people just zoom out, right? And not just think, okay, this is the only way I can deliver this content. That to me creates innovation. It sparks creativity in people that may not come to life otherwise, right? If we're just the talking head for eight hours. Yes, <laughs> I absolutely agree. Well, let's talk about, you know, I'd love to talk a, a little bit about your experience in traditional schools and how you were able to translate that to this virtual community. Because, I mean, very, very different. I think it might be very hard for some people to cross that chasm to make that change. What would you relate to what's similar, what's very different, and how does someone's experience translate over? 
Well, I would say in traditional schools, you know, we're very much governed by the state expectations, which is our standardized testing, and we're governed by our stakeholders, which are our parents, the board of education, our superintendent. And in the virtual setting, we still very much have those same confines. And in brick and mortar, which is, you know, traditional schools and virtual, we still have students. <laughs> we have students and they are coming whether we like it or not. And we do not pick the ones that show up that day. So we have to adjust what we're doing to best suit what they need. So I would say that's pretty similar experience across the two. In traditional schools, I would say that behavior of your, in our case, students, but clients and their needs and their wants are a larger percentage of the day to day. And in a virtual program, there is a mute button. So you don't have to convince a student to be quiet. You can mute them. So the behavior actually and people management, behavior management is a lesser portion. But interactivity and engagement is huge. So while you are trying to um, or while you're not having to navigate someone else's behavioral issues, you are having to increase your presentation and your interactivity and your engagement. So you're having to work harder. It's just in a different area. So I would say education is very different virtually, but there's also some ways where it is the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we've had this debate recently with some friends of mine. We, we've just been talking about how, you know, all the different Zoom meetings that we're having now and just is how it's a normal part, right, of society now. And you know, they were saying, well, most of the time I like to have my camera off. And I'm like, man, we really miss so much when you can't see someone's face. I mean, I think it's hard enough when we're not in the same room because you, you can't derive meaning from people as much. But then on top of that, when someone turns their camera off, I mean, literally, you don't know what's going on. Are they multitasking? Are they in? Are they out? Are they listening? How do you cultivate cameras on and how do you cultivate participation in a virtual environment? Well, for our employees that work at this charter school, we do have, I don't want to say the rule, but it is in our faculty handbook about having our cameras on at all times, which, like you said, really helps us to be able to understand if we are being attentive listeners and if we are participating in a group. And it helps me to be able to see people and feed off their energy. Our students, however, are not required to be on camera because we do respect the family's privacy and we do respect the fact that some students have different accommodations where they could have crippling shyness, they could have a different home life, they could have a different situation. So we don't require them to turn on their cameras. So again, you have to come up with creative ways to gauge their attentiveness. You know, you can use polling tools, you can use um, emojis, you can use a chat feature, you can use direct message to try to reach these students. So we have had to be more creative, but I am a full believer in the camera use as well, because I feed off people's emotions and their reactions. When you start nodding your head, I start feeling like I'm on the right path. And as a teacher, I need that. So <laughs> I know if I was still in the classroom, I would be begging my students to turn on the camera, not requiring, but man. <laughs> That's so powerful. And I, yeah, I, I just think that as we think about this brand new world that we continue to, to be in this virtual world, right? There, there's so much, I think, for us to glean from what you shared with us today and also to learn. Where can people find you and follow you? <laughs> well, please look for me on LinkedIn. I am Ashley Bourne on LinkedIn. Or you can always email me if you would like to follow up. It is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, 
Dobborn, B-O-R-N, 82 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, I've loved this conversation. It's so cool to like get to interview my awesome sister-in-law. And I just, I just want to say that I have so much respect for the impact that you are making in the world. It is so amazing what you do and just truly the public service that, you know, this is truly public service because, you know, you can do anything, but you've chosen to give your life to helping others. And I just, I just think it's so fantastic. And everything we talked about today absolutely translates into the world of business and innovation, which is, which is so cool. And I, I just love getting to, you know, kind of glimpse into your world today and, and learn a little bit more about it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, when I saw your book come out, The Set It On Fire, The Art of Innovation, I said, I knew that it needed to be brought to the education realm because that's what we are begging our teachers every day to do. Find something that sets your heart on fire and change it, make it your own, make it work for you and follow your passion with it. And I promise the students will follow. That's so cool. I loved how your book tied into it. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Yes, absolutely. Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Hey, my new book is out, Set It on Fire, The Art of Innovation. Click on the link to learn more. And don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something.